Father God, we thank you uh, so much that we can gather today. Thank you for what we've already um, just sung about and learnt in the kids' uh, talk, that you are, uh, you are an awesome God uh, who cares so much. You are good and kind and gracious and compassionate and merciful. Uh, we thank you for your word, the Bible, um, that you have, through which you've revealed yourself, um, uh, who you are, what you are like, and uh, particularly um, in the way you've revealed yourself fully in your son, your full and final word to mankind uh, of who you are and of all that you've done for us in him. Um, we pray that as we read your word, you will soften our hearts uh, by your spirit. Uh, give us ears to hear uh, and eyes to see your glory, uh, that we would go away um, changed um, by your word today. Um, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Firstly, from Psalm 145. <clears throat> I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all, he has compassion on all he has made. Matthew 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Let's pray again, shall we? Heavenly Father, <clears throat> give us wisdom and understanding. As we listen to your word, may we know you better, love you more, and learn to please you in all we do. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In recent times, I've noticed that my eyesight isn't as good as it could be. My 
left eye, my right eye isn't as good as my left eye and I've been to the optometrist and he said well you've got a cataract and I've decided I'll get it seen to. It's important isn't it to our everyday living that we can see clearly, at least not when we're driving. And it's important too and vital really that we can see God clearly, that is rightly. It's important to our Christian lives and we journey through this world to our heavenly destination. Little boy was busy drawing a picture and his teacher asked him, what are you drawing? And without looking up, he said, a picture of God. And she smiled and said, but nobody knows what God looks like. He carefully put down his crayon. He looked her squarely in the eye and he said, well, they will when I'm through. How do you picture God? Or what is your view of God? This morning I'd like to think with you just about two parts of God, um, of the picture of God given to us in the Bible, namely his greatness and his fatherly goodness, or more simply our great and good father. Now a person might say, well, until you can explain this, that, and the other, don't expect me to believe in God. I can't believe in a God I can't understand. But in effect, what that person is doing is cutting God down to his or her size, and we shouldn't do that. If we try to do it, it's called idolatry. And idolatry can take two forms, really. Material image of God or a false mental image, but either way it's not the real God. Now, there are some things in God and about God that you and I can't understand, and we could call them his greatness. But there are other things in God that you and I can understand, and we can call these his fatherly goodness. And it's vital, really, that we hold together not only the things in God we can understand, but the parts we can't understand but in which we rejoice. Well, let's think for a while about God's greatness. The Bible tells us three things in particular about his greatness which you and I can't understand but which we need to believe. And they are, God has no body. God has no birthdays and God has no bounds. Now, God has no body. Although the Bible refers to, say, the arms of the Lord, such as underneath of the everlasting arms, and to the eyes and the ears of the Lord, such as the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer, yet these are metaphors, picture language. Jesus says God is spirit. Now God can see, but not with physical eyes. He can hear and speak, but he doesn't have physical organs. He's allowed us to use these expressions because the functions of our bodies correspond to his functions, but he doesn't have physical organs like we do. God is invisible to our eyes, and yet he is a real person with a heart, 
a mind and a will. Well, God has no birthdays. Now, perhaps some of us wish that we no longer had any. I turned 69 last April. A common question, and you may have been asked this by someone, is who made God? Well, the, the simple but the true answer is God always was, and therefore he never needed to be made. God, the word God means someone who doesn't need to be made. He is from everlasting to everlasting, and he describes himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. God has no bounds, no bounds to his knowledge. I don't know whether you've ever been part of a quiz night. I have. We used to have it for chaplains in the schools. But Cheryl is much better than I am at knowing the right answer. But even Cheryl is not a know-all. But God is. And his knowledge is up to date. You might get your app on the mobile that brings in the news, say, an hour ago. But God's knowledge is even more up to date than that. Let's listen to some of Psalm 139. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. And in the prophet Isaiah, we hear God say, only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? And Jesus once said that, uh, well, God actually knows how many hairs there are on your head. And not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. God has no bounds to his presence. So we don't have to say goodbye to God when we go on our next holiday, do we? Again, let's listen to Psalm 139. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. And Jesus said, I am with you always to the close of the age. And God has no bounds to his power, and that's why he can say, is anything too hard for the Lord? And with God, nothing shall be impossible. In the prophet Isaiah, we hear, look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. 
because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Well now, if God has no body, no birthdays, no bounds, how on earth am I ever going to get to know and love someone so different from me? Well, we can if there is a human life that so perfectly embodies the character of God that you could say, if you want to know what God is like, look at him. And that's exactly what God has provided for us in Jesus. One of the disciples of Jesus asked a question, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus' reply, Have I been with you so long and you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So what is God like? In one word, Jesus. Christ is the image of the invisible God. And if we look at Jesus, in his words, his actions, his character, what do we see? We see the goodness of God, the fatherly goodness of God. The goodness of Jesus was the goodness of God himself. No wonder Peter could one day write, Jesus went about doing good. Well, Jesus told a story, didn't he, about God's fatherly goodness. A certain son left home. He got his share of the inheritance from his dad before his dad died, and he lived it up, and that's really a picture. Leaving your dad and leaving your home is a picture of leaving God out of your life. But if a person sincerely returns to God, like that son eventually did, God will welcome and love and forgive that person. And that's worth a party. In fact, it's, it's a party in heaven, if not on earth. Now, what does Father mean in relation to God? Two things in particular can be said. God is the father of one and only one begotten son actually we referred to that in the Nicene Creed and secondly God is known as the father by all who have faith in Jesus now firstly there was only one who could call God father in the deepest sense and that was Jesus his first recorded words were at the age of 12 the age when a, a boy starts to become a young man and can become a partner in his dad's business. And Mary and Joseph were looking for Jesus in Jerusalem. Eventually they find him in the temple and he, asks, he says to them, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? The age of 30, when he was baptised, God the Father's voice was heard from heaven you are my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. And when Jesus died on a cross, he prayed, Father, 
into your hands I commit my spirit. And so Jesus knew God the Father like no one else. Indeed, on one occasion he said, no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And so Jesus knew and was close to the Father like no one else because he is God's natural Son. But secondly, God is now known as the Father of all who have faith in Jesus the Son. John in his Gospel can say, to all who believed Jesus and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And Paul teaches in his letter to the Galatians, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Well, there was once a very successful businessman and he had an only son. The man cherished a child and he longed to find a way to express his deep love. So he decided that each year he would purchase a priceless painting that captured the real sentiments of his heart and he would hang it above the, the huge fireplace hearth in the most prominent place of the home. Well, for the first several years, the father chose the painting himself as his son was too young. The first year, he selected a glorious sunrise depicting the radiance of life that his son had brought. The next was a mountain stream showing the refreshing overflow of love they had together. The third year, as his son began to learn about God as creator, he bought a magnificent canvas of a grand mountain scene. As the son matured, he began to help the father choose the paintings until they owned one of the most valuable collections in the world. One day, war broke out in the land and the son was drafted. He met a young man who would become his dearest, most loyal friend. And this mate turned out to be a delightful amateur artist who drew a simple but eloquent sketch of the son shortly before the son was killed in battle. At the funeral, the friend presented the modest, obviously amateur drawing to the father, describing what his son had meant to him in his vigorous military days. The father hung the picture over the mantel place in honour of the son, above the rest of the priceless paintings they had collected. A few years later, the father died, and the collection was auctioned to the highest bidder. Art curators came from around the world, hoping to purchase any or all of the paintings. The room was electric with anticipation as the auctioneer opened the bidding at $1,000 for the amateur drawing of the son. 
Do I hear $1,000 for the sun? Do I hear $500, $200? Who will have the sun? He appealed. Finally, a buyer purchased the sketch so that they could move on with the real collection. Then the auctioneer did the unthinkable. He ordered the auction closed. Hundreds of buyers gasped with disbelief. How can this be? We've come from around the world. How dare you cut us off? The auctioneer regained order and explained. It was the father's desire that the entire collection be given to the one who buys the simple sketch of his son. For whoever has the son has his all. Friends, the Bible tells us God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life and is an heir of God. Well, brothers and sisters, there are some things in God we can't understand, like his greatness. No body, no birthdays, no bounds. But there are some things in God we can understand because God has wonderfully given an image of himself in Jesus. And if we look at him, we see the fatherly goodness of God. It's vital, really, that we should hold together these two sides of God. It's vital in two ways, to our welfare and to our worship. It's vital to our welfare. There was a little girl sitting all alone on a train. And the person sitting opposite her asked, aren't you afraid to be travelling all alone? No, she replied. Why not? Because my daddy's driving this train. And those who believe in both God's greatness and fatherly goodness can say, my heavenly father's got my life in his hands. A man was going to have a serious operation and some Christian slipped a paper into his hands before he went to the operating theatre and on it was written a Bible verse. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Now you and I don't understand eternal or everlasting but we can thank God that the arms of our Father in heaven are everlasting and our refuge in him is eternal. We believe in an everlasting Father who is everywhere looking after us. And so the things in God we can understand and the things we can't come together and fill out our faith with a lovely childlike trust. Someone has said, don't just tell God how big your storm is. 
tell the storm how big your God is. It's vital to our welfare that we should hold these two sides of God together. It's also vital to our worship. If we believe and know God as our great and good Father, then we will worship him in both a reverent and intimate way. If we see God only as great, our worship of him is likely to be somewhat cold. But if we see God as good Father, we will have warm personal worship. But he is our good Father in heaven. That is our great good Father. And so our worship of him is not going to be too pally. Instead, it is going to be both reverent and wonderfully intimate. Now, the truth is that this great good God has come to us with a human face, and his name is Jesus. And the greatest and good thing God has done, really, is to become a human being in the person of his son, Jesus, and die on a cross and rise for the forgiveness of our sins so we can know God and be in a close personal relationship with him and now call him our Father in heaven and belong to his forever family. That's why you and I can say to someone, the great God out there wants to be your good father right here. You can know God as your great and good father through faith in Jesus, his son. Now, Jesus says, ask and you will receive. And it's in the tense that means, go on asking. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things? To those who go on asking him. A Christian man called George Miller wrote concerning his orphan ministry. The funds are exhausted. We'd been reduced so low as to be at the point of selling those things which could be spared. Then a woman arrived who had been travelling four days, bringing with her sufficient funds for the orphanage. Muller and his co-workers had prayed those four days for something God had really already answered. And under these circumstances, Muller made this following observation. That the money had been so near the orphan house for several days without being given is a plain proof that it was from the beginning in the heart of God to help us. But because he delights in the prayers of his children... He had allowed us to pray so long. Also to try our faith and to make the answer so much sweeter. Well, brothers and sisters, what good things 
might you and I need this year, this week, to live for and serve the Lord Jesus. He encourages us to confidently go on asking our good and great Father for them. Let me pray. Our great and good Father, the giver of all good things, grafted our hearts, the love of your name, increase in us true religion, nourish us with all goodness, and so by your mercy keep us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.